Hello and welcome back. This week I'm speaking with Bruce Hersey, an internal family systems informed EMDR consultant. I've been really looking forward to sharing this episode as we talk about the two forms of therapy that excite me the most, internal family systems, also known as IFS, and EMDR. Both therapies are trauma informed, meaning they consider a person's current problems to have its roots in early life events, most commonly childhood. They also share the idea that we have parts of us that are traumatized, and should we help heal these parts, we can notice a significant shift in how we feel and act in the present. There is a lot of information available on both IFS and EMDR, but not much about where the two intertwine and enhance each other. So I was delighted to speak to Bruce about this. This episode is probably one of the more technical or jargony, so if you haven't heard about IFS or EMDR before, it might be worth checking out episodes 2 and 4, where each topic is covered in much more detail. Welcome back to another episode of the Therapy Explained podcast. Today I'm speaking with Bruce Hersey, a licensed clinical social worker, EMDR approved consultant and level three trained IFS practitioner. Thanks for joining me today, Bruce. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate your patience and persistence in uh, uh, getting me going with this. I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. There is quite a, a lot that I'm hoping for us to get through today. As I mentioned earlier, an EMDR-approved consultant and IFS practitioner, and today we're going to talk about where those two overlap. So IFS-informed EMDR. Maybe just to start off with, I know I have done an episode on EMDR and IFS previously, but if you could just give a brief overview of your take on what EMDR is and IFS before we think about how they support one another. Okay, well, I would I would start with just the, the understanding that uh, these are both um, uh, approaches to healing, and uh, but healing is kind of a natural, organic process, as I understand it, and uh, and both of these these methods actually um, uh, at, tap into uh, that natural healing process and kind of come at it in in slightly different ways, and. Uh, uh, we could go into the, the kind of the history and background a little bit, but uh, when when Francine Shapiro developed EMDR, um, one thing that was uh, cutting edge technology was um, artificial intelligence, and and so she used some some ideas and concepts and, and verbiage I think that taken from. Uh, computer and information sciences uh, like networks and such and so um, so we have a, a kind of a uh, almost a, a digital model uh, coming from from Francine where there's a adaptive information network and then there's a, uh, a dysfunctional uh, information network so uh, if somebody becomes traumatized, that what's happening in the adaptive information model is is uh, there's a network that becomes stuck and and dysfunctional somehow and separated from uh, this adaptive information network. And if we can link them together somehow, if we can uh, activate both of these networks side by side, uh, that this natural healing process will occur. And so, so EMDR is is a, a you know a, a, 
a protocol uh, for, for setting that up and maintaining that. Unfortunately for, for Francine, at the time, uh, IFS was in its infancy, and so she didn't have the benefit of uh, kind of upgrading the, this uh, kind of digital understanding of, of these healing models and, and actually humanizing it. So, so IFS actually brings this you know, more kind of uh, humanistic um, uh, understanding of these networks that we're dealing with. And, uh, and basically we can attribute some kind of consciousness to these networks um, and intentions and that they're embedded, which I, I think was not really understood when EMDR was first developed, is that, uh, that, that this dysfunctional network or the stuck or burdened part, as we w would now know it in IFS, um, is really embedded in an in a entire system of parts. And, and what's more is that there is actually something that is uh, sort of hierarchically, uh, qualitatively different from parts, and that's this core self. And that's the core self is kind of equivalent to the adaptive information uh, system. Uh, but what we're attributing to this uh, core self, which isn't um, specified in the adaptive information system, is uh, that there's uh, a healing energy that we're tapping into, and that this healing energy through a relational connection between the adaptive information network or self and the burdened part or dysfunctional system or network. Um, it's it's the, the healing energy that uh, flows from the self to the part uh, that is kind of an upgraded understanding of this process, this healing process. And so there's just uh, little uh, conceptual kind of upgrades that can help us understand what's happening uh, better and and because we can do that, um, I think we can actually um, do better, you know, in our targeting uh, and setting up the process, and we can make it safer and we can make it um, more productive and more more efficient. So it's just a nice it's a nice blend, and and there are some things in the EMDR. Um, there are some things that are in the EMDR. Um, uh, model that that you can see that Francine was really really on the right track and, and um, uh, there are elements of understanding that we're dealing with self and parts um, built into the model which I can point out you know in our uh, discussion today. And I might come back to those in a moment Bruce to just kind of get an understanding and this is my own understanding of EMDR and IFS, it's like EMDR saw things in a more raw state, you know, that there's the adaptive information part of us and there's the um, the unprocessed trauma or the maladaptive information. And if you can, there's something healing about the AIP as but what we might consider to be the self in IFS and the maladaptive information would be those parts. So maybe like an exile part or maybe even a protector part, like a manager or a firefighter. And that's the conceptualization that IFS gave. 
Yes, and here's the thing that you know, if if we if we just look at EMDR uh, without any understanding of EMDR didn't even have an understanding of ego states initially, but that that concept was was uh, pretty quickly brought into uh, the EMDR world uh, by necessity. So EMDR actually did start to see. Uh, that w- w- what we're dealing with very often when we're doing this kind of processing is s- something like parts. Um, but what, what EMDR does not include is any, any way to work with the protectors or defenses. That's not in the model. And so, so if we were just doing strictly EMDR by the book and not adding anything to it, not integrating anything else into it, what would happen is if we had defenses, or as IFS would call it, protectors, um, we would have to stop doing EMDR or not start doing EMDR. But if we have now, if we integrate uh, IFS into our EMDR model, uh, now there are ways to, to use EMDR uh, processes that are, you know, akin to EMDR, uh, structures that are akin to EMDR, you know, we can actually use EMDR with the protectors. So we can start the process earlier. Just for people listening in who might be thinking, what are these people on about? I'll try and kind of give uh, <laughs> an example of what that might be like in reality. Um, so let's say you're working with someone and you're processing a memory from when they were very young and how they made sense of that memory was that I'm unlovable. And you're trying to work through that memory and but just these negative thoughts, they're looping like, no, you aren't unlovable, you are unlovable, you're not good enough. Um, where you just can't seem to quite marry up the this embodied self with the maladaptive information and that might be considered like a defense in traditional terms or a protector part so a part of you that feels like you're not ready to work on that part and my understanding is where ifs comes in from an iss perspective is you don't always just get to work on those those wounded inner childs those those core beliefs without necessarily engaging with the protector parts first and is that i guess that would be one of the significant ways in which the ifs model supports emdr Absolutely, absolutely. In, in, in fact, it's, it's kind of normal and natural that we would encounter protectors on the way to dealing with those you know, very vulnerable, uh, uh, very sensitive, exiled, uh, traumatized parts. That's, that's, that's the way it works. And so probably way more often than not, and certainly in my experience, uh, way more often than not, we're going to encounter protectors uh, on our way toward those those parts. Am I right in thinking then how an IFS-informed EMDR model would be is that you'd work on those protectors first. So you'd look at them as targets in your formulation. So this is a part that comes up. How about we try and work with this part? Yes. Absolutely, that's right. We're we're looking we're looking for them. We're expecting them, um, and and it's easy it's easy to find them. They're they're naturally going to arise because that's their job. Uh, and so so what we can do in IFS informed EMDR is something that I call setting the GPS. Yeah, setting the GPS would be we we identify 
what is the obvious target, the obvious trauma or the obvious exile that needs to, to be addressed, needs to be processed. And if we, if we state that, and we get the client to, you know, agree, yeah, yep, that's, that's the thing, that core belief or that specific uh, abuse memory or um, that abuse history, uh, we definitely have to process that. That's what I'm here for. But typically what happens as soon as, as, as we start talking about it, the person says something that clues you in. They're not, they're not ready. To, like, oh, but do we have to do that today? I don't know if I'm ready for that or, you know, or something even more, um, you know, uh, profound happens. They might dissociate. They might, you know, just kind of uh, numb out or uh, they, they might start changing the subject. Common things that, that people will do when we set the GPS. Well, why do I call it setting the GPS? Uh, that's because you know when you when you set your GPS, you, you you punch in a destination, but you're not at the destination. You know you're you're somewhere else, and and when you when you punch in the destination into your GPS, the GPS does some calculations, um, and it tells you you know what the first road is uh, that you have to take uh, in order to get to that destination. So that's why I call it setting the GPS. And you immediately uh, identify the first protector that you have to deal with. And so then we can say, yeah, I can see you're reluctant to go there. Um, you know, or what just happened here? You know, you completely changed the subject when, when we, you know, I mentioned we, we, we know we have to go uh, and process that particular memory. Um, you know, and, and we can name that thing that happened. Uh, so you just checked out or you changed the subject. Um, you know, I get the sense that there's a part of you that doesn't want to go there. And um, now Jim Knipe was a pioneer in, in um, and also A.J. Popke because he kind of developed the, the, the first scale to measure the energy uh, of protectors. So A.J. Popke uh, came up with the level of urge to use because he dealt with uh, addictions and compulsions. And so he developed a scale which measures. Uh, so if somebody wants to, you know, go into their compulsion or into their addiction instead of, you know, deal with life or deal with trauma or deal with whatever needs to be processed, he would just measure that from zero to ten, just like we would measure suds. Jim Nipe then built on that, and he expanded that to the idea that people would want to avoid, you know, the processing, and so he developed the level of urge to avoid. Again, scale of zero to ten, how much do you not want to go there? And and so I'm expanding that even further to account for any any conceivable type of uh, um, uh, protection, and and we can call it a level of urge to protect. So there's energy that protectors invest in doing whatever it is that they do to protect, to numb, to avoid, to run away from, to distract, to 
um, et cetera, whatever it is that they do to, to not go to the exile or to the trauma. And we can measure that energy. How much do you want to numb out right now from zero to 10? And, and it's, it's that urge to protect that actually the, the protector is organized around. And so we can, we can begin to target protectors in the same way that we would target a trauma um, by starting with that, that urge. And, and so we would name the urge. Like you, so you want to um, you know, uh, change the subject in, in, in order to, to not talk about that. How much do you want to change the subject zero to 10? Well, it's a nine. Okay. So when you're feeling that, you know, not wanting to, to you know, talk about that topic, uh, are you noticing any kind of feeling in your body? Well, yeah, I feel this kind of tension, you know, in my shoulders and my arms. Okay. And is there a, an image that comes up, you know? Well, it's just this uh, kind of... Uh, scary, you know, just kind of this, this uh, uh, um, dark, uh, scary, uh, almost ghost-like figure. Okay, so we have an image, we have a body sensation, we have a measurement of energy. So you see where we're going here, we're starting to build up what looks like an assessment phase. But uh, in IFS-informed EMDR, uh, I don't believe that um, we can do uh, actual trauma processing without self-presence. And so, and so one of the things that's necessary in the assessment phase is we have to get a positive cognition. And I believe that that positive cognition needs to come from the self rather than off the shelf, <laughs> off, a, off of a list. Okay, because because it, it has to have roots somewhere in the person, right? And and where those roots are is actually the self. So if self is not present, you see, then then that's why we don't have what I call functional dual attention. Functional dual attention I define as uh, self presence and part activation um, in a relational frame. So there's a a relationship between the self and the activated part um, and, and that's necessary in order for for actual healing, the healing process to happen, i.e. desensitization and reprocessing in EMDR or witnessing in IFS. Uh, that's functional dual attention. If we don't have that, okay, that doesn't mean we can't do anything. The, the thing is, we can't do trauma processing, but uh, Jim Knight, the pioneer in working with protectors and defenses, although uh, you know, he's not coming from an IFS perspective per se, um, he used the level of urge to, to avoid and start processing that in order to desensitize the protectors but I don't believe that it's correct to desensitize protectors, or at least to have that as an agenda. Um, witness, befriend, witness and befriend the protector first. But, but what, what Jim Knipe, I believe, is totally right on about um, is that um, 
processing the protectors indirectly processes the trauma. So, so it's not a waste of time. It's not like you're taking a detour when you're, when you're doing processing with a protector. You're actually, it's money in the bank. Because mm. they're part actually, of a network. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you're actually starting a desensitization process or a healing process uh, that's going to translate into you know deeper and better processing with the with the trauma parts or the exiles ultimately. Um, so it's actually uh, this is really where you make your money. I think the where where your bread is buttered as a uh, anybody can do unburdenings and retrievals if the conditions are right. So, if, you know, if, if somebody did all the work with protectors uh, and then took, you know, uh, your client to McDonald's um, and grabbed a, you know, clerk from the counter and said, here, this is what, this is how you do a retrieval and an unburdening. They could do it. If the person's ready, if the person's ready to do the unburdening or the retrieval, they can do it. So it's it's it's, it's not tricky. Right to do for the picking. Un- <laughs> exactly. So the real so the real work is actually working with the with the protectors. Um, and just I've got a couple of points to work back on with that, Bruce, because it does bring up a lot. And um, the first is, you know, as you say, in order for the processing stage of me or to to work. You have to have access to self while accessing the target. So you have the, the self and the target or the AIP and the target, which seems like quite a big claim to make. As I know when I did the training, you know, I don't think this is something that we're we're taught. You know, And I've, I've never, outside of you bringing that up today and for doing a bit of research on your work beforehand today, I'd never come across that. And it makes me think, I wonder how many people are entering EMDR without adequate access to self. And could that be... A substantial substantial reason why processing doesn't work for some people or at least the processing they've done or the EMDR they've done that's the number one thing if things aren't if if things aren't going well that's the reason why uh, absolutely 100% of the time that is why but let me tell you uh, what Francine did because you know she she was wise and 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 she had a you know intuition about this, and and, and the whole reason why she she wanted to have uh, uh, positive cognition, um, it it wasn't it's simply just to to have something to to measure a, a VOC uh, validity of cognition. Um, but it really was to, to try to establish, you know, one foot in the, in the present, right? If, if we can agree on a positive cognition, um, you know, then, you know, there's a fair chance that, you know, we, we might, you know, we, we might hit self, right? So if, if you and I can agree that, um, well, you know, nobody, you know, just inherently deserves punishment and for bad things to happen to them even though your part you know is thoroughly convinced of that wouldn't you agree no, no one truly and and if the person even though they have that part can say yeah I, 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 I do believe that but I simply can't shake right what they're saying is I have self-presence and I have this part that I can't shake I wonder if that way with more complex trauma 
um, it's recommended to increase resourcing in advance. So resourcing being kind of positive resourcing. Yes, I'm going to say something about that. But but first, um, the other thing that Francine did is if you look at the the you know the, the standard definition of EMDR and and what phase two is all about. You can eat if if you're IFS informed. You can easily interpret everything in phase two as making sure self is present, capacity for relationship, ability to self soothe, yada yada. Everything in there is qualities of self presence, and so she's saying we we want to have a positive cognition. We we want you know for the person to to have these capacities and abilities before we do even go into an assessment phase. So so she kind of knew that she couldn't articulate it in the way that IFS does, but you can see where she's headed with this. So, but but I think people kind of skip over that and, and uh, you know, maybe we lose the importance of that or uh, and then if, if we get to phase two and what we determine is, oh, this person doesn't have the ability to self-soothe, so let's resource, 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 resource. And, and what I have found is that, and most, most people uh, that I've talked to agree with me, uh, is that resourcing can work really, really well uh, in terms of, um, you know, a person tapping into... Uh, good feelings um, and and certain abilities, but if you then come back to you know the the target, nothing's changed. The same protectors show up, and and this is why there's a, a whole new movement in EMDR called the progressive approach because you know what their finding is, is what I'm talking about. Uh, we tend to detour into endless resourcing. And, you know, as, as good as it looks when, when we're doing it, um, it, it does not necessarily and often doesn't at all translate into some increased ability to, to, to process these big trauma targets. And would you have a preferred way to, I'm not sure, would you use the term resourcing, but how do you try and build up? I guess because it sounds like you need more self, and that's maybe what resourcing exactly. can do, but that's maybe exactly sometimes what, it can miss the, the mark. Mm. Yes. So so IFS has a whole different take on, on resourcing, you know, that uh, originally uh, there was some sense of denial of, of resourcing but I think if, if we if we really take a look at it from the IFS perspective uh, you know what resourcing is means um, finding self-presence um, you know uh, tapping into self-presence but but the IFS way to get there is not by addition it's by subtraction if you don't have access to self, isn't something that you build up. Self is something that's that's already there, and and eclipsed and blocked by blended parts. As Richard Schwartz says, it's like the sun; it's just behind the clouds. It's always there. There's just 
a block there. Ex mm. Exactly. So, so, so there is this. I think a, a somewhat mistaken notion, you know, uh, in, in historically in EMDR, uh, that we're actually installing resources. I don't think that that's really possible or true. Uh, we can tap into something that's already there, but the best way to do it is to find out what's blocking it and address that, or process it. What does that mean? Finding the protector that's blocking the qualities of self that you really need to, to, to uh, process this trauma target that you're approaching, that you set the GPS for. Would that mean it would take the same approach? So to, 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 to increase self, you're looking to the same way that you set the GPS and you work with the first protector that comes up. So from an, an IFS informed approach, you wouldn't necessarily do resourcing in advance, like thinking of protective figures or safe place. You'd be more just trying to take away the clouds. Or I guess because it's not even taken away, I think because I like the IFS language, you're not getting rid of those parts, you're giving them a different role that isn't a, that protector role. Yes, yes. Now, here's the thing, um, in IFS, uh, the, the other unique thing about IFS is that um, there's a, a notion that all parts have positive intentions. And so that means that all of these protectors have a positive intention. And in, in my mind, and this is not specified uh, in IFS teaching, uh, but it's my firm belief that uh, it, it's not possible. The, the reason why uh, protectors have positive intentions or all parts have positive intentions is because all parts have some self-energy. And so a positive intention is related to, connected to, the self-energy in the part. And so if, if we're able to really distill, you know, what exactly is the positive intention of this part? The positive intention of the part actually is uh, the principle that organizes the protector. I have to do this, you know, crazy thing uh, in order to make sure something bad doesn't happen. So notice that that's a belief, right? Notice that that is a cognition, right? And notice that it's not a negative cognition. It's a <laughs> positive intention. And so when we're processing protectors, it's important not to think in terms of negative cognition, even though we want to pin down the cognition and we want to really you know, get uh, precision uh, and specificity about what the belief and what the cognition is. The thought that it is a negative cognition uh, is, I think, inaccurate uh, and unhelpful. So if we, if we think of, well, the, the cognition that we really want here is not a negative cognition, it is a positive intention. 
And within that positive intention, we also want to try and capture the fear of the part, which is one of the things that IFS um, you know, always wants to do when we're witnessing, befriending parts. Uh, we always want to understand well, what they're afraid of, why they need to do what they do, uh, what, what they're afraid would happen if they stop doing that or if they unblended, right? So the, so the positive intention uh, of a protector can actually be broken down into uh, the solution and the problem. The thing I do, which is the solution, to, to make sure that something bad doesn't happen, which is the problem. And if we can kind of identify you know, this kind of a positive intention in exactly this way, and then we can measure the urge, the urgency of it, the intent, you know, the intensity of it, um, zero to 10, which is the level of urge to protect, that's the organization of a protector, and we, and we can get um, an image, and we can get a body sensation along with that, and now we have actually half of an assessment phase. The other half of the assessment phase is actually um, dependent on self-presence. A positive cognition and a VOC are dependent, in my book, uh, on self-presence. Let's assume this protector is blended, and so for all practical purposes, we can say there's not sufficient self-presence, and so we're going to set aside the need for a positive cognition, and we're going to set aside, therefore, which the, the VOC depends on a PC, so we're going to set aside those two things. That half of the assessment phase we're going to ignore for the moment and we have enough of an assessment phase to actually do some processing with the protector but I don't want to say to the protector the purpose of the processing that we're going to do here is to disarm you, weaken you, desensitize you. What I want to say to the protector is the purpose of processing here is to really understand you fully and deeply. And I call that the discovery contract. Because now we're going to enter into a process that's neither resourcing nor desensitization, but has elements of both. So we can do sets of, of uh, bilateral stimulation now with this protector based on those elements of a partial assessment phase that are upgraded over the traditionally MDR uh, elements. So in other words, the two things that change are we're no longer calling it a negative cognition, we're really looking for a positive intention. Uh, and we're not measuring a SUDS, we're actually measuring the level of urge to protect. That's so interesting, Bruce. So it's like an assessment within an assessment. So maybe you've done your assessment, you've set your GPS, a protector part comes up, and then you communicate with that part to think about, okay, where is its self-energy, which is that positive in intent, what's it afraid of? And that's what you're looking to process with, and you go from there. Yeah. yeah. And, and we have to unblend from any part of us that is uh, bent on desensitization or unblending of the part, even though we can have confidence that that will happen.
so you're embodying self as much as you can as you say with that curious approach exactly which is a, for those who aren't aware a large part of IFS is as far as I'm aware anyway is embodying self from the therapist because there's something curative about the self and right. if you can embody that self that can help build trust work mm -hmm. with that um, uh, defense, defense or protective part right so when you're combining the modalities it, my understanding it seems to be kind of a lot of EMDR processing but with some of the language from ISS IFS so IFS communication with bilateral stimulation is that kind of what it's like in practice yes yeah, so we're, we're understanding the um the the universe that we're in we have a, a a model you know for understanding the universe that we're entering into and we have different language to describe what we're dealing with that's that's more informative uh than uh, you know some of the concepts that w we started with in, with just traditionally mdr can you ever go straight into working with an exile without the permission of a predictor part well, the only the only way that that would happen is if if there there is you know uh, implicit permission already. So in other words, if if there's no if there are no protectors uh, that are uh, present or engaged, um, and and that the likelihood of that uh, is is limited, and and so what we typically see is that uh, we might call them neo-exiles, uh, single incident traumas uh, that, you know, are things that have happened to an adult or, uh, you know, a recent trauma that has happened to an individual where, you know, there, there hasn't been some kind of a, a lifelong layering of, of protection to keep some kind of a trauma um, dissociated and, and, and exiled. Um, and, and so that's why we see much more success, you know, with those kind of situations. Mm. No, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, if there's going to be, if there's a protector there, it'll let you know and you can... You might need mm -hmm. to work with that, but if there's no protectors there, as you say, um, a neo-exile, a recent trauma, as opposed to a developmental mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned earlier, it kind of sounds like, uh, from an EMDR perspective, what you might call a, an interweave. So where you might ask a question during processing to help the processing to continue if it's looping. So you might say, um, what is that part worried about? What are you worried will happen? And that mm -hmm. might be some of that positive intention and it kind of helps. And it kind of sounds like that's the type of interweave you're using when you're working with the protector part. Is there any other IFS-informed interweaves that you could share? Uh, well, I like to say that, uh, you know, anything that you would say or do in IFS <laughs> it is a fair game, you know. It is, is likely an appropriate interweave to have in your toolbox uh, and so just because what happens is healing is is actually the same thing whether you're doing IFS or whether you're doing EMDR you know healing is this natural organic process um, and so it doesn't matter you know if you're doing IFS or if you're doing EMDR if you're doing it well um, you're going to see the same kind of a, a process and so 
you know, it, it looks like uh, so. I have, you could do IFS uh, with bilateral stimulation, uh, and we could call that uh, IFS-informed EMDR, <laughs> because what what the bilateral stimulation or the dual attention stimulation does is actually uh, engages some kind of a, uh, a process, a neuropsychological process, some parts of the brain um, that actually enhance and support self energy so if, so if self energy is is there to start with so if you have one foot in self presence uh, already then you can add bilateral stimulation or dual attention stimulation and it will help if you don't uh, then then you run the risk of actually amplifying the parts energy with the dual attention stimulation is there always going to be some self-energy there, Bruce? I'm assuming there is, but is there instances where it can feel like it's so minimal it might feel non-existent? Yes, uh, sure. Uh, if if we if we look at um, you know blended protectors, and you know people can have any number of them, and the more traumatized they are, the more complex, you know, their system is, uh, the more dissociative their system is, uh, the, the less access to self-energy. And, and so, you know, you're, you're going to be left with, um, you know, what we call in, in IFS direct access. You are basically relating, as a therapist, you are relating directly to uh, each part that you encounter there there's there's no self but you know if we if we if we then understand that within every part every part has a positive intention that there's some self within it um, uh, then in our direct access in our you know directly relating to that part uh, we need to look for that so we really really want to find the positive intention of of the part that's the key to it so every part has parts and you're thinking there is some positive intention so if you can embody self and try and be um present and attuned to that part kind of resonate with that part then you can build some trust and go from there right I wonder, you know, there might be some more obvious protector parts. Are there some less obvious ones? Sometimes that you might even realize that it's there. Yeah, I think it's it's easy for uh, us to to forget IFS and to think in terms of the client is doing this or the client is saying that, uh, and forget that who's really doing or saying something is a part of the client mm. and uh, you know clients can sort of hypnotize us <laughs> into you know that that way of thinking um, because some parts are so in you know inherently blended uh, you know with the person that it's they are the person. They are the person's personality, you know. And we and we we sort of kind of fall into this thinking. Uh, well, that's the person. That's the client. Uh, and so there's this subtlety. 
And so I like to call certain kinds of parts blended for life parts. So blended for life parts would be parts that are so ingrained that for the person's life, they're just their personality style, um, and they're so identified with it, um, and they may be so subtle, um, but this way of being, you know, really blocks access to self or blocks access to, you know, uh, or, you know, um, uh, exiles, you know, completely, you know, certain other parts. So what types of parts would, would they be? Um, maybe some things that you, you might even mistake for self, like pseudo-confidence or uh, bravado or um, let's say like... Um, super nurturing you know the 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 just caretaking uh, wanting to uh, you know just nurture and, and care for and fix and uh, soothe and things like that uh, can be protectors and how do you work with those parts how do you pick up on that this is a protector part uh, is it because the processing isn't happening yes so if 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 the processing is happening, if 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 flow uh, is is happening, then there is enough self energy, and so so when things just don't seem to be uh, happening, or when it's too good to be true, sometimes we'll get pseudo processing. Sometimes we'll get people who have you know parts that you know kind of put on a production. Uh, they will <laughs> it'll look like you know this is the this is the absolute best session i've ever seen you know i can't believe it uh you know then suspect there might be and i think some, when you're tuned some, in you can pick up on that a little bit exactly exactly mm -hmm. yeah and and so you start to ask questions and 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 so one so when we see anything like that um, we can we can begin to think of like all of the qualities of self like what what is the self made up of and and so you know in IFS we talk about the eight C's and the five P's and and if we're we're looking at maybe somebody's you know showing up and they appear to have you know fantastic uh, compassion um, if we start to look for what might be missing like we may be blinded by certain big qualities that are, that are self-like qualities uh, that are blinding us to the fact that, that there's something not there like confidence or like courage or like patience. Come on, let's go. Let's get this done. I really want to do the processing. You know, uh, oh great, this client is motivated. Um, but maybe that's impatience, you know? And so we have to tune into it, like, is, is there something, is there anything that are the common, you know, uh, All those little breadcrumbs that you can pick yes. up on, which again is, I, yeah. I suppose, it's another way about how, how the IFS model can support EMDR. We're just a little short on time, Bruce, and before we go, 
I wanted to probe to see if you knew, for somebody who wanted to learn more, any kind of sources that you'd recommend, because there isn't a whole lot out there about the topic of integrating IFS with EMDR. Well, I'd love to promote uh, my uh, online uh, pre-recorded workshops. That's a place to start, and that's at emdrifs.com. Easy to remember. That's the, the topic. Um, <clears throat> so there's there's lots of stuff there. Uh, if uh, I haven't written anything, and and so and I also do some live workshops, um, but. I would highly recommend reading Jim Knipe, even though you know he's not quite all the way there with IFS, but some of the building blocks are there, uh, and so I would I would definitely recommend that. There are two actual chapters uh, in books that are uh, on the topic specifically, and one is by Anna Gomez and Pam Kraus, and Pam Kraus is an IFS lead trainer. Uh, Anna Gomez is a prolific, you know, EMDR. Uh, with children, uh, especially um, uh, trainer, and uh, and so Anna uh, edited a, a book in which they co-wrote a chapter, and so it's it's basically on EMDR with children, um, but there's a chapter on the integration of IFS and EMDR, which is very good, um, and that I think is from 2013. And then in uh, 2008, um, Joanne Twombly and Dick Schwartz uh, co-wrote a, a chapter uh, that is in another EMDR book, uh, and that's the the book on ego states and EMDR ego states and dissociation um, that is edited edited by Carol Forgash. So those are the two two main chapters. But there's another one, and I would like to plug. Put a plug-in for Coherence Therapy uh, by Bruce Ecker. Uh, and his book, Unlocking the Emotional Brain, there's actually one chapter is uh, uh, entirely an EMDR session, which uh, has hints of IFS and coherence therapy in it. Um, and, and so I would highly recommend, you know, uh, reading up on coherence therapy and in particular looking for that that chapter. Okay. That's a new one to me, Bruce, um, but they all sound like fantastic suggestions and um, certainly ways that this conversation can be continued because unfortunately it does need to end now, but that was uh, so enlightening and, um, yeah, it, it, it fits so well with EMDR and answers so many questions that I find have come up for me as a burgeoning EMDR therapist and I'm sure lots of people either in EMDR or trained in EMDR will also relate to. So I really appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's been great to have this opportunity to, to lay out some of these ideas.